Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Back up and remind us again of why we're doing this. I just think it's important for people to understand we're not doing something just for the sake of doing something. We're not just trying to clutter up a calendar or things of that nature. But I believe that it is imperative that we are not just a church, but I believe it's imperative that we're a Book of Acts church. Amen. And um, not just another church in the community, not just another church in the state, but I believe that we are called to be a Book of Acts church. And I believe the Book of Acts church commands us and it sets the standard for us to have fellow saints and fellow laborers and fellow believers, but we must be connected. You can have all these points, you can have all of these things, and they can just be independent of one another, floating around, and we can talk about saints, and we can talk about fellow laborers, and we can talk about fellow believers. We can have all these categories, but I believe that what makes the church the church it's not just the music program or not just this program or that program, but I believe what makes the church the church is by connecting the body of Christ together. Amen. And so the effort of not only connecting the body is for the sake of the body, but the effort of connecting the body together is to help us more succinctly and intentionally reach our community. And that, my friend, is biblical. Amen. We're not just called to come here on Sunday and do our thing, sing to one another, or come here on Wednesday and just teach to one another and sing to one another. But I believe that God has called the church to be a Book of Acts church in which we impact the communities in which we live. Now, I understand today that uh, we don't all live in one general area. And so my prayer is, my, my, I try to pray this daily. And so my daily prayer for this congregation is that we would, as a body, affect the communities in which you have influence. Wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever street you live on, that you would have an impact in that community by your life and by letting your light shine. The Bible says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Amen. That key was our love for one another, toward one another, that love and that deep-seated relationship. The book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 46 and 47, the Bible says, And they, which speaks of the church, this is the New Testament church, they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And then the scripture says, And then the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. 
Amen. The church should never appear to a community to be a place that you got to have a certain whatever to be able to walk in the door. Amen. This is not the Sam's Club. You don't have to, nobody going to ask you for your card at the door. Amen. This ought to be a community center of hope. It ought to be a lighthouse where everybody feels welcome. Amen. And I will just tell you today that relationships cannot be forged, nor, that, nor can they be maintained if we just occasionally come together just at an event here or there. Amen. We need the fellowship of one another like never before. That said, unfortunately, Sundays and Wednesdays would be insufficient time to just spend together, much less spend impacting our community. And so if we rely just on Sundays and Wednesdays to be all we needed for our spiritual health, it just would not be sufficient. You can't just, you can't just come here on Sunday, get a little gas to Wednesday, get a little bit more gas on Wednesday to Sunday. If you do that, you're always going to be on empty. I have friends, I guess the climate of this has changed a little bit, but I have had friends through the years that they got gas $5 at a time. You know, I, mean, I probably dated that statement a little bit, but the price of gas now, almost whimsical. But, but I'm very serious. They got, they got and they, you know what they did? They had to get gas all the time because they were chronically on empty. And so we don't need to be a church chronically running on empty that we just come dragging in on Sunday said, I just need a little bit to get me through to Wednesday or I need a little bit more Wednesday that'll get me through to Sunday. Amen. So if the only time we heard the word, if the only time we read the word, if the only time we studied the word, if the only time we heard preaching of the word or the only time we prayed or the only time we spent time in praise then if we try to isolate that down to just a Sunday and Wednesday, I can tell you the end result is that we are going to be spiritually anemic and we need the fellowship of one another. Amen. We believe that relationships are no different. Absolutely. And our connect group ministries is a wonderful way to become more familiar with one another. And when we do that, we fulfill the scripture. Amen. We fulfill the scripture. And so... Uh, Hebrews, the Bible says in 10, 25, for not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. Here it is. That, that's the key right there. Exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And so when we are together, I'm going to tell you some of our uh, times together, the, the, the wonderful thing that happens with that. I want to say one of the greatest things, but because there's many good things that happen, but one of the wonderful things that rises to the surface is the fact that we have admonished one another. We admonish one another whether or not we put our arm around and say, come on, man, you can make it. Amen. We admonish one another because we're together and it encourages us and it strengthens us. I don't really like to go back and reflect on a lot of this, but it's a part of our history and we're never, ever going to be able to divorce ourselves from it. But COVID-19 was very revealing and it taught us in a moment of time the value of one another and the value of coming together. Amen. Are we too far removed from that that we've forgotten what it was like? I can tell you that I haven't forgotten what it was like to be right here in this building. We were limited to eight or ten people in the beginning and we're in here trying to video and record uh, services to broadcast to our, to our church family. 
and um, and and just I mean those those moments of just coming together. And it was just a handful of people. It was just refreshing to see somebody and to be together. Amen. And, and our first few services online, we were having Zoom meetings. And we, we just called it a, uh, a virtual foyer. And we were meeting in the foyer after church, just like we do in a literal sense, and meeting in the aisle. And it was just so good to see people, just their faces. Amen. Amen. Surely more than three or four of us remember that. It was just refreshing to see, and man, how you doing? I mean, we haven't, we haven't been able to even see your face in a whole week. We haven't seen you since last Sunday, and and uh, so. But if we're not careful, we can just slip right back into where we were, and we can take it or leave it, and we can be with it or be without it. Amen. I, I don't I, I don't want to take for granted the opportunities we are given to come together, no matter what that will be. And so we're going to have to be intentional for that not to happen. Amen. So we are about to launch into our spring semester and the connect groups that we have on tap right now. Uh, one of them is going to be called Spring for Jesus. Sister Taylor Newburn will be leading this. And it's going to be a special gathering time for our children and caregivers. And they're going to be going to different playgrounds around uh, and, uh, and play dates and picnics for children because we want them to be connected and to feel a part of this. This will take place on Saturday mornings, and you can see her for more information about that. Game, game night done right. Sister Danielle Sims is going to lead this. Going to have a great time with refreshments that will be taking place here at the church. Those will be on Friday nights. We have these dates listed. If I throw all that at you today, you won't even remember it. So the dates will be listed. And then we have Coffee with Wayne. I like that. Coffee with Wayne, Brother Wayne Williams. Amen. Coffee and fellowship. You, you will rob yourself if you don't show up for coffee with Wayne. Because there's going to be more than coffee. Amen. I promise you that. He'll put something in you just being around him. Such a great spirit. Amen. That'll take place on Saturday mornings. We have other great uh, ideas for more connect groups, but we need facilitators. We need people that will raise their hand and say, I'll oversee some of them. And uh, if you want to know what those are, we'll be glad to share some of those with you. But there's a lot of things that we want to do, but it takes hands in the harvest to do it. So we need facilitators and we need participators. Amen, because you, you can have a facilitator, you can have somebody to head it up and, and put it all together, but it'll fall in the street if it, if it doesn't have somebody to participate in that. These are not intended to be large groups. We're not trying to see if we can get 80 people in one room. That's not what it's all about. If you get 80 people in one room, you're just going to have groups of people, and, then, and generally people migrate to people they know, and that's not what this is about. We want to we want to introduce and we want you to bring your friends, somebody that doesn't maybe normally attend church or attend church here and uh, let them be connected because sometimes they think that the only thing you can talk about is the Bible. Amen. And there's nothing wrong with talking about the Bible. But we want to have fellowship. And in these, in these times, there will be moments of, of devotion. And, and uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And so we want you to, to participate, if at all possible. And let's let God just do something in our, in our midst that is powerful. That's all right. That's the sound of the future. We love that. Amen. Don't worry about that. Praise God. 
Uh, you can just remain seated. It's already been said. We're having some uh, media issues uh, and uh, sort, sort of like dominoes. When one thing goes wrong, it all just begins to topple, but we're all right. Amen. I want you to turn with me today, if you will, to the book of Ecclesiastes. If you'll join me in Ecclesiastes in chapter 9, I'm going to read two verses, verse number 14 and verse number 15. And if the Lord will help me, I just want to leave something with you today. And so here's how I'd like to kind of break this down. I would like to leave something for you as an individual to consider. But then I would also like for us collectively as a body to consider this for ourselves as a church. And so I want to try to hit two targets this morning with one bullet. If you'll help me and the Lord will help me, I believe we can do this. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 14, quite a curious little passage of scripture. And there was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built great bulwarks against it. Verse 15 says, Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city, yet no man remembered that same poor man. And so when you're reading the book of Ecclesiastes, you're just reading, minding your own business, and then boom, here is this story that just kind of pulls off the page, and then it just kind of sinks itself right back into the page. The story, the storyline of verse 14 and 15, in some respects, almost seems to be out of place. Solomon is reflecting on his life, and, and, uh, and that's what Ecclesiastes is really about. It's a book of reflection. Solomon is reflecting on his life, and then it just seems out of nowhere to us, random, not to God. But he just starts talking about this little city, few men that are in it. But then interestingly, Solomon says that a great king came against this little city with few men. Now, Wouldn't that kind of raise a question mark in your mind, a little bit of curiosity? The Bible says that he didn't just try to take a group of men down there and see what they could do about overtaking it. But the scripture says that he built bulwarks against it. He built a wall around it, so to speak. Ever what that wall would have been, whether that was literally or if he just did that with manpower. But it was a small work. It was a small town, a small city. The Bible says with very few men in it. And so why would a great king take this much interest in a small city with so few men? Amen. That doesn't smell, it doesn't pass the smell test, does it? Something, something seems curiously out of order right there. Why wouldn't he find a great city that had a lot more glamour? Why wouldn't he find a great city that had more glitter? He built these embankments around this city. And perhaps the answer, the answer to that question is maybe this great king saw the potential of this city. 
And he said, because of the potential of this city, then we got to do something about this. Amen. And so here are these few men and here, are the, here they are citizens of this small town, but they're fighting for their lives because someone in power recognized that they possessed something. The Bible says in verse 15 about this poor wise man who delivered them. He remains nameless and faceless to us, of course. And then even in the scripture, Solomon went on to say that they even soon forgot about this man. He just kind of blew in on the scene, saved the day, and somehow blows out of the scene. And so sometimes this morning, I just feel to leave this with you, that we may wonder why we are fighting with everything that we have, why we are expending so much energy just to keep ourselves upright. Amen. I, I would tell you today that you may think, well, I'm just a small city with just few men. And it just seemed like the enemy would have his eyes on something much larger. Seemed like he would be trying to take down something that would be another, a much larger notch in his belt. Something that would be a little more boastworthy. It would be a much larger trophy on the mantle if he was over here trying to take a big city. But I want to tell you today that maybe one of the reasons you're fighting with every fiber of your soul to stay on your feet is because the enemy sees the potential in your life. And he sees not where you are, but he sees what you have the potential to be. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in this today. Amen. Here is this, why would this great king even care? Why don't you go try to pick on somebody your own size? Why, why, why do you want to be insulted by going over here and just trying to steamroll somebody? Amen. That great king understood something. We've got to put a cork in this. And so you may view yourself as a small city. You may view yourself with just a few men. I mean, we could view ourselves in that collectively as a church. And we would wonder why in the world would a big king, an evil king, want to shut us down? And why would he want to shut us in? But I'm going to tell you today, I mean, he doesn't just want to shut you down individually. He wants to shut us down collectively. And I think that ought to raise our curiosity level. I mean, it ought to make us wonder why in the world would the devil care? if we're having church? Why would he care if we are going to come to church and sing a few songs and hear a sermon? Why would he care if we come together? I'm going to tell you, he cares because he knows there's a living seed that's going forth. He cares because he knows there's gonna be a life-changing message that'll be delivered. And he cares because he knows that you could find hope. He's trying to convince you there is none. He's trying to convince you there is no hope. There is nothing that we could buy into or invest into. But I will tell you today, amen, that if we will live our lives and aim toward him, hallelujah, he can help us understand and discover exactly what it is that he wants to do in our lives. Praise God. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Genesis 28, verse 15, it's a very familiar passage of scripture to many, but the Bible says, Behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whether thou goest, and I will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And it was here in this moment right there that Jacob awakened out of his sleep. He had been having a dream Jacob was in a dry place in, in, a, in, in a real way. He was in a desert. He was in a dry place. And Jacob awakened out of his sleep and he said, when he woke up, surely the Lord is in this place. And I knew it not. 
And the Bible says he was afraid and he said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And then he said one step further, and this is the gate of heaven. Hallelujah. Now to the casual onlooker, to the casual onlooker, it was just a dry desert place. It was a sandy place. But the Bible says that Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took the stone which he had put for his pillows and he set them up for a pillar and he anointed, he poured oil on, on the top of those stones. And so if to the casual bypasser, they're just in a sandy place and they see rocks and they see oil poured out on top of those rocks and it doesn't look like much but I want you to understand what Jacob saw it as. He said, I've had a high and a holy experience here and the power of God has been in this house. He, sat, he had that spiritual connection with heaven and earth and he said, surely the Lord has in this place and this is the gate of heaven. Amen. That sounds a little pompous. He wasn't being arrogant in and of himself, but he said, I'm gonna tell you that this is a through way by which the spirit of God has moved in a powerful way. And the scripture goes on to say, in verse 19, and he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city was called Luz at first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God will be with me and, and, and he will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. He said, this stone which I have set for a pillar shall appear pillar shall be a it shall be God's house and of all that thou shalt give me I will surely give a tenth unto thee he said this is holy unto God this is this is dedicated unto God now this was an unlikely place for Jacob to have an encounter with God we would think more along the lines of stained glass windows we would think more along the lines of somebody in a robe with choir singing in the background amen this was not the ideal setting for a move of God and this was not the ideal setting for what a man would call the gate of heaven it was a place where he took the stones that he had been sleeping on pillows and he anointed them and they became pillars he turned them over amen he made something out of them that would stand the test of time this barren place had become a spiritual gate and it served as a crossing guard if you please and I will tell you today that I believe that we need to press forward because we have amen an apostolic mandate upon our shoulders and I believe that we ought to show up every day amen and we ought to just let the Lord know I'm reporting for duty today amen I'm reporting for duty today this is not just a Sunday Wednesday thing for us no this is not just a morning prayer ritual for us no we are showing up for duty. The Bible talks about Luz. It had been formerly called Luz, which means forsaken, but Bethel now means the house of God. And so what some may only see is a barren and a dry land. God said, I'm going to move, and I'm going to move on a chosen vessel. 
because he's a willing vessel. Hallelujah. And I will tell you today, if you want God to move in your life, just be willing. Amen. Yeah, be available to him. Say, here are my hands, Lord, and I'll do what you would have me to do. And when God began to hear and see the sincerity of Jacob's heart, he had one of the greatest spiritual experiences of all time. I preached about Naboth's vineyard not long ago. But the principle is the same. The king could have had land anywhere. He could have had any vineyard. He could have bought and sold Naboth all day long. And so why was it that he was trying to barter and buy Naboth's vineyard? It was because the king could see the value in it. Amen. I wonder tonight, I wonder today, you know, I know what we think of ourselves and, and we may have an assessment about ourselves individually or even ourselves collectively as a church. You may think, well, this or that. But I wonder today if we could just see what hell's opinion of it would be. I wonder if, if we could just get one little small glimpse Amen, and see just how threatening hell thinks you are. You may stand in the mirror and think that you're spiritually anemic and that you would offer nothing, but I wonder how hell sees you today. I wonder what the enemy thinks when you're on your knees in prayer and you're touching, amen, and pulling two worlds together called heaven and earth, and you're connecting them by faith. I pray that the Lord would help us to not be distracted by the things that are all around us because we live in a world filled with distractions and if we could just say Lord help me to somehow let all the things of this world fall by the wayside and let me focus on you and not be distracted by the things that the enemy is trying to rob us and steal us from I believe there are times that God tests us everything's not the devil I believe there are sometimes God tests us to see how committed we are to the call upon our lives it's not always the enemy He's testing us to see if we've made a real covenant with him and a real covenant to our calling. Because let me just be honest with you. It's not always easy to do what you're called to do. Amen. Some people may think if you're called to do this that you just get with that some supernatural strength that never the batteries never go dry. It's not always easy to do even the things you're called to do. You know why? Because the enemy wants to suppress and press and press because he sees the, he sees the real potential. Amen. So when we think about this small city that, that Solomon wrote about and we think about the size of that town, whatever it may be, and it just says a small city, very few men that were in it. But here's something that's worth considering, that no matter what size the city may be, every city has a jurisdiction. Amen. And that's what I'm preaching about this morning, this spiritual jurisdiction. There is law and order in every town. <laughs> you can pass through a town so small that they may only have one police officer. But you know what? There's law and order in that town. You can't just go do whatever you want to do. There are laws that regulate. They have 
jurisdiction over how fast you can travel their streets. There may be some places like Cedar Key, Florida with a listed population of 690 people and I'm not picking on them, but they have jurisdiction. Just 690 people. But they have a law and you just can't go to Cedar Key and do whatever you want to do. They have their own law that's there. It may not be Chicago, but it has rules like Chicago. It may just be a crossroads like Micanope with a listed population of 610. But if you're going to drive through there, don't think you own it. Don't believe that you're so tall and you're so broad-shouldered that everything's going to go your way. You're going to have to obey their traffic law. You're going to have to stop where they say stop. You're going to have to yield where they say yield. You're going to have to live by and abide by their city ordinances. Well, we may throw our hand up over the steering wheel and say, well, who do they think they are? This is not Miami. Well, you just go ahead. Because there may be just one lone officer with one bullet in his front pocket just waiting for you. <laughs> Some of you were old enough to get that. <laughs> he may dig around, fish in there and find it and just show you you don't have to be in Miami for there to be some sort of jurisdiction. Could be Fan and Springs, a population of 1,200. But you can't do what you want to do when you're passing through there. They have rules. And those rules serve as the gateway of that community. Maybe it's not New York, but it has rules. It's not Las Vegas, but it has rules. No matter the size, no matter... No matter that you don't feel like a spiritual giant, can I tell you that God has put you where you are and you have spiritual authority over where you are. So I hope you know that I'm not talking about Micanope and preaching about Cedar Key and I'm not trying to teach about Fannin Springs. What I'm trying to tell us today is that whether individually God has called us or corporately as a church, God has called us and he has authorized us. And we have spiritual jurisdiction over this. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. It's been said many times over the last several months. But the church is still in this world. Because there's still hope. And it is the church and the voice of the church that's stopping. The crossing guard. It's the church that's the crossing guard. Why? Because we have spiritual jurisdiction. Praise God. The church that says, we're going to stop this or we're going to allow this. And so I will tell you today that no matter what you consider yourself to be or no matter how much lack of potential you may see in your own self, if God has placed you somewhere, if God has put you on your job, he didn't just give you a job to get a paycheck. He gave you spiritual jurisdiction there. Amen. And you can set the tone. You can set the pace. Because the Bible has filled, the Bible is filled with admonitions about the power that rests within, amen, a Holy Ghost filled individual. And we are entrusted with this power. And so I want to admonish everybody in this place today to exercise the spiritual jurisdiction that God has given you. We don't have to stand like some person that has been tied and tethered 
and allow every little spirit and everything to go on in our home. He's given us spiritual jurisdiction there. Amen. We ought to stand as a guard and say, no, not here. Not here. Amen. There are security systems. I, I, I'm not up on all this, but I was talking to a friend the other day. And they had a security system installed in their home. And the security system is a smart system. And it detects certain sounds. As a matter of fact, these are not just for homes. Some cities, especially high crime, cities with high crime and metropolitan areas, they have, they have speakers and security systems that are out. And those speakers are trained. They are trained to hear and recognize gunshots. And when there is a gunshot, that autom- nobody has to dial 911. No one has to pick up a phone. Nobody has to run to try to find their cell phone. That speaker alerts 911 that there are gunshots. There have been shots fired, and it's at the corner of this and that. And immediately, somebody can get there. There are home security systems that are trained. And, and the, the, they're trained to hear the sound of the breaking of glass. And so when the glass breaks in a home, a window breaks in a home, you don't have to go try to figure out anything. It automatically alerts the authorities. Amen. You know why? Amen. I hope you know where I'm not trying to go to sell you a security system right now, but I'm trying to tell you that there ought to be something in us. Hallelujah. That is so trained that when we hear that's not the right sound, you don't hear breaking glass at three o'clock in the morning. No, 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 that's not the right sound. I don't have to go try to find my Bible. I don't have to go try to find the scripture. I don't have to try to get some flashlight. No, no, no. I've got spiritual jurisdiction and we're just gonna stand and say, no, that's not gonna happen here. No, we're not gonna allow that to happen here. Amen, I'm trying to preach to the church today to tell you that God didn't just plant this church where we are right now and then walk off and have forsaken. No, that's not how God works. Amen, he has given us spiritual jurisdiction. Praise God. And when something goes wrong, when something goes wrong, there ought to be a bell in our spirit. There ought to be an alarm in our spirit that is tuned in. Amen. Not just to this world, but tuned into that world and say, wait a minute. Something's out of balance. Wait a minute. Something is out of kelter. Wait a minute. This is not right. Amen. And the church of the living God ought to be able to stand together collectively and say, hey, we don't have to be here on a Wednesday night for that to happen. Amen. The Lord can move in the spirit on a Thursday morning. Hallelujah. We just feel like I got to get on my knees and pray. Why? What are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the authority that God has given the church. He didn't just give us talent to play an instrument. He didn't just give us talent to write a song. He didn't just give us talent to organize something. He gave us spiritual jurisdiction. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to tell you. Amen. He's made a spiritual crossing guard out of every man and woman and boy and girl that is anointed and filled with his spirit. We can decide what crosses and we can decide what stays spiritual jurisdiction (laughs) praise God praise God why was this great king interested in this small city with so few men you don't have bigger fish to fry sir he saw something he recognized something And he said, not only we need to take over this city, 
We need to clock it in. We need to close it down. We need to shut it out. I've preached this through the years, and if God will give me breath, I'm going to keep preaching it here and everywhere I go. Amen. If you ever see a preacher in the pulpit struggling to preach, don't reach for your cell phone. Don't try to figure out what's going on Facebook. If you see somebody struggling, amen, That's the t- there ought to be a bell that goes off and say, wait a minute, that don't sound right. That's not right. Amen, there's something wrong. There's a spiritual oppression that's trying to come back and, and press against, and we're just going to bind together. I heard the sound of breaking glass. I heard the sound of a gunshot. Something ought to go off in our spirit that said, I'm going to lean in. I'm going to tune in. I'm going to slide to the edge of my seat. Why? Because Hell is trying to stop a word. Hell is trying to stop a seed. Hell is trying to stop a move of God. Hallelujah. We'll say, well, I just don't just don't look like we can have a move of God here. Well, you just try to tell Jacob that. Amen. You try to convince Jacob in the middle of a desert. You try to convince the man that was using rocks for a pillar. He'll tell you that the angels can come up and they can go down. Hallelujah. He'll tell you that the angels can do powerful things in a place that you cannot even imagine hallelujah so powerful was it that he changed the name so powerful was it that he said these are going to be pillars amen pillars oh heavenly God let the authority of the Holy Ghost rise in us amen enlighten mine eyes David said Lest I sleep the sleep of death. Don't let me be lulled to sleep by the things that are going on around me. Praise God. We need to be in tune, in touch. There's all kind of things that try to distract us. You've got to press against that. You've got to be proactive. You've got to shake yourself. You've got to do something. Amen. Because we have been given spiritual jurisdiction. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to stand our musicians, if you will, just to stay. Amen. I want us to just gather around the front. Amen. And I want us to pray for spiritual sensitivity. I want us to pray that God would just help us somehow, somehow to just drown out the noises and the distractions. Now, here's how I want you to pray. Amen. Here's how I want you to pray. I want you to pray out loud. Amen. Just don't come down and bow your head today. Amen. We got to take authority over the spirit that would try to quiet. The spirit that would try to mull, to, 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 to nullify. The spirit that would try to make mute the voice of the church. But I believe the church of the living God can cry out today. Hallelujah. And we say, Lord, we speak against darkness. And we speak against evil spiritual wickedness in high places we speak against Lord the oppressing spirit that would distract and destroy and divide and tear down we speak against that today we're taking taking spiritual authority why because we have spiritual jurisdiction amen we have the authority of God we have the power of God amen the power of God is not locked in our Bible the power of God is not locked Locked away in a book. The power of God is not locked away and placed on a shelf, but that authority is alive. That authority is real. It's in our spirit. Amen. We have been baptized in His name and we have been filled with His spirit and we are walking by His authority and we are walking by His will and we are pressing forward. Why? 
Why? Because hell knows the potential and hell is trying to kill us. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.